0: Welcome to Not Real Art, the podcast that celebrates creative culture worldwide. We're here today with your favorite host with the most, Mr. Man One.
2: What up? Chilling with the good old sourdough. What's up, brother?
0: How are you, man? Good to see you.
2: Yeah, I see you. (laughs) I see you.
0: I need my eyes checked, but I can see you.
2: Yeah, everything's good.
0: Everything's good. You surviving the COVID-19 quarantine? Um,
2: Surviving, you know, that's all we can ask for, survival.
0: You know, I want to point out, since we're on the subject, you know, we've been rolling out podcasts, business as usual, the last several weeks. We have barely mentioned COVID in our podcast or on the website, not because we don't care, right? (laughs) just because we're trying to survive, stay alive. And by the way, what can we say that hasn't already been said? But truth of the matter is our heart and our love goes out to everybody and their families
2: going through this craziness. Yeah. No, it's tough. You know, we had situation in our family already. So it's only a matter of time before we all know someone who's being affected by it, I think. It just fucking sucks.
0: Yeah, we we know a few people as well. We know one family, everybody has it. <laughs> everybody in the whole house. Yeah. Wow. So Yeah, well, we gotta stay indoors. Stay indoors, stay healthy. Do
2: you have any uh, Do you have any face masks that you're styling? You know what? I just designed them this weekend. They'll be available yeah. tomorrow. Nice. Man1.com. Yeah. So uh, they're the face covers. So you could use them. People are saying, oh, by the time we get them, this thing will be over. I'm like, number one, this thing will but be over. But it's coming back. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be <laughs> over. But my masks are covers. They're face covers. So it's a fashion statement. You know, yes, it, it's not yes. gonna protect you from anything. You're still gonna die if you fucking breathe that shit, but it'll look cool when you're breathing it.
0: <laughs> You'll look cool when you grow, it'll look cool, you know.
2: Yeah. yeah, I would still wear a real mask underneath the face cover, but yeah, face covers are coming out this week.
0: That's the problem with dying, is it's really hard to look cool when you do it. <laughs> we could crack that nut. I don't mind dying, I just really
2: want to look cool when I do it, right? And uh, well, they usually try to make you look cool afterwards if you have it yeah. on. Op- Good. I just want one last lap dance. How do you social distance lap dances?
0: Well, if I'm dead, it doesn't matter, right? Oh, I mean,
2: well, you're dead. Yeah, that's true. It's like,
0: I mean, she can't get it. I can't get it. <laughs> so it's a win-win. It's okay. except that I'm dead. What are you laughing about? Only problem, <laughs> Isn't funny? You, can, you can't make it ring. <laughs> we should point out to our listeners, our faithful, loyal, die-hard listeners, that we are testing out new technology in our uh, quarantined uh, times here. Shout out to the guys at Squadcast and their platform, which I learned about recently at Podfest, which was a podcasting conference I went to just before all hell broke loose a few weeks ago. And the whole thing about Squadcast is that it allows people in multiple locations around the world to record a podcast together and the sound quality is superior, we hope, yeah, <laughs> to definitely. Skype or, you know, it's way more stable, that kind of thing. So, yeah, we're trying it out today for the first time. And, you know, everything was going well till you tried to download Chrome. Yeah, that was the hardest thing ever.
2: <laughs> one a browser, a free browser. <laughs> yes. Turns out geniuses aren't always that smart. Yeah. You know, you have to focus the genius in something else. <laughs> can't be spread Into all kinds of knowledge. Oh, man. Well, so we've got something
0: really cool planned for our listeners today. Yeah, we do. We got a great guest, and he's a fucking bona fide OG music producer, composer, multi instrumentalist. Mm -hmm. They call him Dan Ubik, and Dan is a fucking great guy, super talented musician, sweetheart of a dude, so humble. yeah. And yet he's like worked with everybody, dude. I'll read his bio. Yeah. Producer, composer, multi instrumentalist. Dan Ubik grew up with his music father, Richard, playing jazz, bass. His mother listened to the Beatles, classic music, while designing jewelry. While well, Dan's older brother and sister listened to Bowie, Traffic, yes, Genesis, T Rex, and Zeppelin. Said, uh, however, it was Dan's little sister. Mm-hmm. Who turned him on to rap in the late '80s through the '90s? Public Enemy, Beastie Boys, ATCQ, BDP, Big Daddy Kane, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. Get this: He, as a studio and live musician, Dan has played guitar behind De La Soul, Wow, Big Daddy Kane, Method Man, Redman, Allo Black, Wow, Barrington Levy, Macy Gray. The Beatnuts, cool. Brand Nubian, Slick Rick, Ghostface Killer. Wow, I mean, wow. on most deaf, I mean, dude, the list is so long. I can't, I'm can't. i just like hitting they, the high parts. Played bass behind them. He's a multi-instrumentist. He plays guitar, drums. Oh. Yeah,
2: because half those, I never, I never even thought they would have had a, any kind of live band component to them. So that's cool. Uh, super cool. And not only, I mean, Dan is so cool
0: that his logo. Is so badass. Guess who designed his logo? Oh, no shit, you won't guess because I'll just tell you. <laughs> There's too many people for you to guess. Yeah. Kofi. Kofi designed his logo. Kofi? Yeah. Coffee. Kofi. Coffee. <laughs> yeah.
2: Kofi. Yeah, exactly. You mean coffee? Like LA's. That's right.
0: That's right.
2: Oh shit. Right. Yeah, dude. Coffee Augustine. Yeah. But listen,
0: I mean, oh, wow. one of the. One, yeah, he's fucking great. So Dan Ubic Productions, mm-hmm. but part of the reason. He caught my attention was because somebody turned me on to his one of his latest productions with Connie Price and the Keystones, a project called Lucas High, and it's uh, you can get it now on uh, iTunes or any number of Bandcamp, Fat Beats. But I downloaded it many months ago now, and it's so hot again. Mm-hmm. Lucas High by Connie Price and the Keystones, and it is just. It is really sick. And the players that are on it, Big Daddy Kane, Guilty Simpson, Talib Kweli, <laughs> I mean, you go on and on. But Dan is a humble, humble guy. Mm-hmm. I had so enjoyed sitting down with him. And so today, our listeners get to hear what Dan's about, everything he's doing, and the conversation that we had so many months ago now. So,
2: Oh, man, that's
0: going to be dope. That's awesome. Right on, right on. So I guess without further ado, let's get into it. Let's do it. All right, tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, here's Dan Ubik. Dan Ubik, welcome to Not Real Art.
3: Thank you, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Great having you here, my friend.
3: (laughs) Thank you, man. How are you holding up? You had a session last night. Yeah, I had a session with my friend Chris Dowd. We're recording a new song for my group Night Owls and uh, getting vocals for it last night. Right on. Came out good.
0: Yeah, you feel good about it? Yeah.
3: We got to finish the background vocals, but we got the lead vocal last night. Okay. Sounded real good.
0: Okay, so it was a late night. What time did you end up crashing?
3: Uh, about one thirty or two. Okay, think, yeah. all right. So yeah, how do you like? What is a leery this morning?
0: Yeah, I'm guessing your kind of recording schedule is like herding cats. Sometimes trying to get everybody together. Oh yeah,
3: yeah. it is. It's you know, it just depends. But. <laughs> excuse me
0: no no worries that's that late night session who we'll no was no one who's smoking right no I wasn't
3: <laughs> but yeah I've just got this cough residual cough
0: are you not feeling great it's been going around
3: uh, I was I got that flu like a couple of weeks ago but yeah. no, I'm feeling fine but just kind of residual cough yeah yeah, yeah. but uh but it was a good session yeah it was a good session and yeah recording sessions are always like herding cats just <laughs> musicians are artists Somebody schedules man everybody's yeah. like doing a million things so right. but it worked out what is a typical
0: week for you look like I mean because you're Essentially, as far as I know and could tell, like, yeah. I would call you a musical polymath. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> you kind of
3: do it all. I use that on my business card.
0: And so, what does a typical week look like for you as a musician, as an engineer, as a producer, you know, etc.? Yeah.
3: Well, it changes every week, which is kind of what I like about yeah. it. I mean, I have, I do a lot of different things. I produce stuff, produce music. For different artists, for artists that I'm producing, you know, just stuff that I love. I am just doing sessions for different people who need to track vocals or organ or whatever they might need. I'm just kind of a work for hire in that respect Mm -hmm. as well. I DJ, so I'm out doing that a lot. I'm a big record collector. so. And then I teach lessons to kids too. That's like my, right my kind of like one of my main bread and butter things is interesting, teaching lessons. Interesting.
0: So. so, you give what kind of lessons? Like instrumental lessons? Yeah, or instrumental
3: you- lessons. I teach all the rhythm section stuff. So, right I'm teaching on. a lot of guitar, bass, drums. And then I teach ukulele and songwriting and yeah. recording and stuff. Yeah. Well,
0: you, I mean, you grew up in a very musical family, did you not?
3: Yeah. My dad was a musician. So, yeah. he was a professional musician. Jazz cat, right? Jazz cat, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he played... He was in the USO in the war and played with like Bob Fosse and wow, all Stan Kenton, like a lot of big band stuff, was his era. But, yeah, but he was from Milwaukee, and so he would be playing in Chicago a lot. Right. and When so you know some artists Green would Mill. be coming into right, and <laughs> someone would be coming into town, he'd be one of the call you know the guys yeah. who got the call. So he got to play with Billy Holiday, yeah. and different. Was people. the
0: jazz showcase around back then? Probably not.
3: That's a question for him. I'm yeah. Sure. Anyway. Yeah. That's cool, man. Wow. Oh, thanks, so you yeah. got
0: to grow up with that pedigree.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of daunting and, you know, inspiring at the same time, you mm, know, cause- yeah. He's a jazz musician and, and did
0: you did you rebel and in go into rock and roll <laughs> uh, <laughs> did yeah he yeah at first <laughs> it, it's
3: funny because he used to like my best friend in junior high was like a super metal guy this guy craig and lum who plays with exodus now this super hard like, yeah thrash metal band has been that love that music since he was you know 16 or 15. still does it and so we used to listen to that stuff and I'd go to those shows and my dad was just like, what are you listening to? You know, Slayer. And then my sister was into rap. So, she got me into like Public Enemy and EPMD. So, it was just like a lot of that. Right. And it was not his thing at all. So, he'd be giving me like, you know, Earl Clue, George Benson tapes under the door. <laughs> Trying like, try try like, to please, save your soul. Just try <laughs> this, you know. And it took me a while. But I finally came around and I love and listen to jazz constantly these days. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was 15, it was all about. Yeah. Slayer and Public Enemy and you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs>
0: Were you a Bad Brains fan? Oh, yeah. All? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. saw
3: Bad Brains in, I guess, 87 or 88 at the Country Club in Reseda for, <laughs> it was Eye Against Eye, I think, was that tour. Okay. So, not the, I didn't get to go see any of the, obviously, like the DC Punk shows with them and yeah, yeah. Rock for Light, but I had all those cassettes because I worked at Rhino and they had Rock for Light oh, wow, and cool. all those early cassettes. And then they came, they put out eye against eye on SST, and I was like, damn, that's that same group, but the sound's a little different. Okay. And we went and just, oh my God, I flipped and saw that. It was one of like a seminal show for me. And then I got to open for them. I was playing with Big Daddy Kane, like for a long time. And we did a show with I played with Kane. Then it was Fishbone, and then it was Bad Brains. Right. On. So it was just like
0: Yes. What the hell? <laughs>
3: was just, my friend Chris last night is one of the singers in Fishbone, and so he was like, "Oh my god, that's so crazy!" What a bill!
0: <laughs> it man. It was a bill. What a bill! I grew
3: up just idolizing those guys. Yeah. So I mean, I fun. you
0: know I asked because I'm watching a cool documentary about them, and I you know oh, I was yeah. aware of them. I'd heard their music. I wouldn't be hypocritical to. To say I was a fan at the time, but I remember, yeah. like in Chicago, I liked Naked Ray Gun. And, oh, yeah. and they played with Naked Ray Gun mm. uh, at the Congress Theater Congress, years ago, and I yeah. remember that. But but this documentary I'm watching is is
3: really interesting. Not, there's a one about them, especially because yes. there's an HR one that's really cool. Yeah, oh, really? I
0: haven't seen it's, that. This is about beautiful. bad brains, oh. you know, kind of the history and you know. Oh, okay. And this the documentary is a few years old, but yeah. but it's really interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool! I gotta see that. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen the HR one, it's pretty. It's incredible. He's he's got all kinds of stuff that he's dealing with, yeah, uh, mental issues and everything. Yeah. But he's like, it seems like he's getting it together. Okay. And, Right. Kind of in a good place, but it's a really, I mean, he's such a deep, amazing person. Yeah, right. It's an emotional ride, right. but it's beautiful. It's a really cool dog. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you know, I was in preparation for our little sit down today. I was like reading some stuff and I mean, you work with some super sick people and some of the quotes you know here i mean peanut butter wolf talking about being a perfect marriage of 70s curtis isaac and barry meets 80s dust brothers meets 90s Kane j5 and mop yeah in a way that only the master of the craft dan Ubit could pull off that's peanut butter wolf
3: that dude i just love also a fellow pole Polak. um <laughs> But yeah, he's, I met him through my friend, Miles, that I yeah. played with in Breakestra for years. Yeah. And I was asking just all kinds of my friends in the industry for quotes for the record just to help out so yeah. we could promote it or whatever. And I didn't hear back from Chris for a while. And then he sent me that and I literally teared up. It was just so right. beautiful. I was so – because, I mean, he has so much weight these days. Yes. And it was like just to have him say that was made me feel great. So, so th- thank so you, Chris.
0: I, I'm wondering, so, if I were in your shoes and I was waiting on a quote – from Peanut Butter Wolf, and it wasn't coming. It wasn't coming, and we'd been old friends. I'd get in my own head about it. It's like,
3: oh, did what, what's going on? Is he mad <laughs> at me? Are we in a fight? Like, what? Well, you know, us sensitive artists, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> That's great. When it came man. in, though, I
3: was like, oh, thank you, dude. Thank and you. That's
0: so cool. Well, and then, of course, Newmark was talking about texturized grit and rusty passages are always a signature of Connie Price of the Keystones. Get them.
3: Thank you, Newmark. Yeah, Newmark is a. Uh, I first met him. Well, he's been around our kind of little scene because J Five yeah. obviously is from here. But I did my first real like tour with Jurassic Five, Breakistra, my old band I was just yeah. talking about with my friend Miles and Wolf. Did this tour called Word of Mouth up okay. the coast from it was LA or San Diego actually up to Vancouver and mm-hmm. back. Uh, Breakistra, Jurassic Five, Dilated Peoples, and the Bee Junkies. So it was just like an epic first tour, and obviously got to know all the people and. We'd do like the DJs versus the band, you know, doing breaks, yeah. and then we'd do it live. And it was just a really fun show. Yeah, I'm just honored to know those guys. Man, they're all each and every one of those dudes in all those groups are talented beyond belief. And to have Newmark say that about me was really so, cool. So,
0: I mean, how do you find yourself in those circles? I mean, obviously, you grew up out here and, you know, you grew up in a musical family and you're just sort of, I'm sure it happened organically and you sort of, looked up and one day you're working with these amazing artists but more specifically like do you remember was there a particular moment or particular project or a particular time where it sort of was a you know a door open for you like take us through your journey a little bit
3: yeah i mean you know i was playing and just kind of like whatever just local bands and stuff trying to just play you know Mm -hmm. i played in lots of groups in high school and then right after when i was in college i was playing in groups and Just meeting lots of talented people and I think like the biggest door opening for me at the beginning and I just have to say thank you to him is because of my friend Miles Tackett. He had me play in his group orchestra. He just believed in me. He knew I was funky on guitar and brought me in and it just worked and we we did lots of stuff toured and went to Europe and Japan and but it was because of him. He knew so many people already. Miles is two years older than I am. Mm It was through playing in that band and then playing at the club he had called The Breaks, which turned into The Root Down, which mm-hmm. turned into Funky Soul, all these clubs he's done. But it was just everybody was hanging out there because it was us playing all these classic samples, mm-hmm. you know, from rap songs. Mm-hmm. So I was simultaneously learning about where that Jungle Brothers sample came from mm-hmm. or where that De La Soul sample came yeah. from and learning about all these amazing records at the same time hanging out with Kakemist and Newmark and Marvsky and all these amazing DJs who just knew about all that stuff. Yeah. So it was just like soaking everything up, right. you know, and just having a blast doing it. So it was, I have to say huge thanks to Miles because he introduced me to so many people and brought me into the, the scene really. Right. You right. Know? So right. thank you, Miles. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, all about friendships. You right. Know? It's like, the more people you have a like mind with, you like to make cool stuff yeah, and, right. and are cool with and nice to, yeah, you're going to start kind of getting yourself in there.
0: It's a chemistry thing, right? Yeah, I mean, you could respect people and like people, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can create together. But then boy, is it magic when it turns out you have chemistry to, yeah. to, to make art.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. And it's just like it happens... You know, like we were talking about the sensitive artist thing with waiting to hear back on a quote. It's like, you know, you just never know when it's going to happen. So, my aim has always just been like, just work hard, do your best job and just treat people with respect. And like stuff just turns around. Like I've known Newmark for 25 years, something like that. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. I mean, and just last year he called me and he's like, hey, Dan, I've got this thing I'm doing. I need this music done for it. So, I, you know, can you play guitar, bass and organ and stuff on it? I was like, yeah, absolutely, man. So, I did it and it turned out to be this thing with Method Man and (laughs) Money Mark from Beastie Boys played organ on it. I was like, shit, that was a freaking lucky break. Right. You know, it's just because I've known the guy and he's like, has heard what I've done, I guess. and And was like, he could probably handle this. And I did and it turned out great. So, So I was so happy.
0: What do you, I mean, forgive this kind of hyperbolic way of putting it maybe, but it's like, what do you think you're famous for? Like, are you famous for your the fact that you're a multi instrumentalist and you can like lock down the rhythm section kind of hmm. thing or are you is it just cuz you're funky is it like like if there's one thing that you think people sort of think of you about and want to work with you you know, because mm. of what do you think it is? What's your greatest strength?
3: It's a good question. Yeah, I, w- I don't know if I'd use the word famous because I don't see myself as famous. <laughs> well, but, I know. Uh, you know, but we're I really living uh, in the,
0: the era of, uh, <laughs> of fame these days, uh, so. that's
3: okay with me, man. I'm like, yeah. I'm happy just to make good music. I say, but, give
0: me, you know, keep the fame, give me the fortune. That's what I say.
3: <laughs> I would go with that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like my strengths are. A, that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm there and I'm doing it. Right. And I deliver it when I say I'm going to Zero gonna flakeability. It. I'm not a flake. I want to do good stuff. I want to work with good people. Yeah. And I want to, you know, I treat people with respect and I just want to do a good job. So, that, I think that's my biggest strength. As far as like being the most gifted guitar player, no. I mean, I grew up, like we said, with my dad who is a jazz player. So, I'm hearing like George Benson right. and Wes Montgomery right. and Grant Green and all these guys who are like- I'm never going to be that guy. Yeah, like yeah. I just know it. Like, right. But what I do have is a really good sense of composition and mm-hmm. how things work together. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like producing is my biggest strength because mm-hmm. I can write a guitar part that maybe isn't the most mind-blowing like Wes Montgomery thing, but it fits the song really good. Sure. And sure. I know what the bass line should be and what the organ should be doing or whatever it might be, you know.
0: Well, and I mean, you know. I'm a writer mostly. Obviously, Wes Montgomery is a king, but, you know, he may not be able to do what you
3: do. That's true. And that's kind of the reason I gravitated toward music in the first place is because people always say like, who do you think is the best guitar player? I'm like, there is no best. (laughs) That's why I like this. Like everybody does their own thing that's unique and and awesome. Like Hendrix is just as good as, you know, whatever, whoever. It's it's
0: apples and oranges. It's apples and oranges.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just so many people to be inspired by because everybody's individual take is something you never would have thought of. And you're like, oh, I never thought about it like that whether it's a chord change or it's a tone or whatever it might be. Right. Art is a very personal, emotional thing. True. Yeah. True. And that's just kind of what I take my leads from is what makes me feel inspired by something is what I want to put down on a track. You know,
0: what does make you feel inspired?
3: I mean, I've always been someone who just appreciates the heart in something. I'm just, you know, whatever a romantic kind of person, Mm -hmm. I guess. And I'm just, uh, I really relate to, especially, you know, as we get older, man, we just seeing the complexities. You might be getting older. I'm not getting older. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you, man. Uh, Just, you know, seeing the emotion and everything, you know, and then like if it doesn't move me, whether it's like just the beat of it moves me, but what it's saying moves me, the performance of it. Right. That's just the most important thing to me. It's not about how complicated it is or... That's just my favorite things yeah. about things. That's why I gravitate towards the music I gravitate towards, whether it's jazz or reggae right. or Ray Charles or, you know, it's as long as it I can feel like it came from the heart. Yeah. It doesn't matter what genre it is to me.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, know. I mean, inspiration is a crazy thing, right? I mean, mm. you know, the fickle muses that come and go as a creative person myself, it's like. It's a blessing and a curse. Yes, this isn't the Dorian Gray situation. There isn't a painting in my attic. I am getting older. I'm going to be 50 in May. Right on. One of the things is that I'm sort of grappling with, I mean, we all want to live a long, healthy life, but today is not promised. And so one of the things that I'm grappling with as a creative person is just trying to be at peace with all of those ideas and projects that may just never get realized because I mm. don't have control over all yeah, of them either no.
3: you know it's like the old saying of going with the flow is so true man it's like the times that we work so hard on something that that maybe doesn't get all the exposure or yeah. legs that you wanted to versus like something maybe you worked a half hour on that's like somebody used it for a commercial and it's like made you the most money i mean it's yeah, like right you really can't tell you just got to keep kind of doing what works at that time and just kind of trying to complete stuff as you can. Especially if you're dependent on other people too, Well, right, working with other collaborating.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Then there's that, right? And I sort of go through those phases of saying like, I'll ramp up right to a point where I'm maybe having to collaborate with a lot of people and it typically goes well. But then if inevitably, I'll get to a point of frustration where I'm like, "Fuck it, I'm not, I'm not collaborating anymore. I'm just going to do shit on my own for a while." Yeah, and then it ends up sort of just being this, you know, cycle of things. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you know? it's like I, I'm sort of a point now where I'm ramping back up again. I've sort of come through a phase where I've just sort of been focused doing shit myself, yeah. and then now I, I was thinking the other day, I'm sort of ramping back up again. I'm seeing you know, I have more collaborators around me now than ever, and right. it's good. Things are going well, but uh, so
3: well, yeah. That's life. I yeah, mean, you know, everybody's. Hills and valleys don't always match up, you know, so it's like, you never know what someone's going through. And sometimes it takes a week longer than you think to get someone up in the studio or to finish a project, you know, it's just like, and then family issues. There's just so many so many parameters. Why do you think
0: people like recording in your studio specifically?
3: I don't know. I mean, I I like to think that it's just a a nice, a chill atmosphere up there and an inspiring atmosphere. It's certainly, you know, for a lot of my friends, a long drive to get up there. But it's peaceful in there. I've got all kinds of records to listen to and throw on for inspiration. Obviously, you know, the technical stuff. I've got nice recording equipment and all that. but. I like to think I just – I try and create an atmosphere where people feel comfortable to express themselves and not feel guarded, you know. Yeah. So, that's yeah. that's what I try and create. Yeah. Hopefully, no, it I, works most of the time.
0: Uh, yeah. I haven't been to your studio, but I have seen some photos online. You it looks like a up, chill, yeah. like very civilized, uh, <laughs> sort Maybe of so very human kind of oh, vibe, thanks. you know. Thanks, Phil.
3: Yeah. I, my mom's a, a huge folk art collector. So, I grew up with just like – visual stimuli everywhere. Yeah. She's a jeweler too. So, her house is just like masks and all kinds of amazing stuff from everywhere. And so, I'm just comfortable with that. So, I've got a lot, there's lots to look at, lots to be inspired by.
0: Well, now how did that inform your logo design?
3: Um, It's it's interesting. Door knocker?
0: Well, you got the door knocker, but didn't coffee design that for you? Yeah.
3: So, I have this old, it's a reproduction of an old medieval lion's head door knocker yes. that i have on my studio door and my friend augie coffee he's known in the art world drew it for me i was doing this 12 inch so a long story short, but I was doing this. We got all the time in sh- the
0: world, my friend. You get, <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> there's no commercial breaks here.
3: Well, I was doing a lot of touring for Scion, the car company oh, that's yeah. owned by Toyota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They sponsored a bunch of these promo tours right. for a long time. My, they my were the group cool brand for a while. Yeah, yeah they, cool totally. They were, and they yeah. treated everybody really cool. Yeah. So, props to Jerry Yoshizu and the Toyota people for doing all that. So, we'd get my group. The Keystones, my friend's group, Orgone, uh, Rhythm Roots All-Stars, all these groups that are kind of like in my scene, friends of mine's groups, yeah. we back up all these hip hop groups. Yeah. So, De La Soul, EPMD, Slick Rick, all the classic dudes, we'd go to learn the set, go out, rehearse with the artist, and then perform like five shows in, in five different cities, Atlanta, yeah. Houston, all these places. And right. Blah, blah, blah. So, we were doing all these tours and then Cyan decided, oh, we're going to do, we're going to start re- creating a record label and releasing singles mm-hmm. with you guys. So. Mm-hmm. Pick who you want to do it with and we'll do a 12-inch. So I picked Big Daddy Kane and my friend Percy P, who's an amazing artist from New York as well. Yeah. And we did two songs and I needed to redo the cover. And Lalo Schifrin's always been one of my favorite composers and got to interview him about five years ago. But his Enter the Dragon score is like one of my favorites. So I was like, what if we did kind of an homage to the cover of Enter the Dragon? Mm. Because I, we just – my partner at the time who did all the horn arrangements, Todd Simon, uh, we were just loving all the score stuff yeah. from the 60s and 70s. So what if we redo – Enter the Dragon, but have coffee do a kind of graffiti style. So yeah. he did a graffiti style and he just did it beautifully. He did sketches of Kane and me, Percy and Todd. And then he's like, I love your door knocker. Can I draw that? And in Enter the Dragon, there's like these little symbols in the four corners. So he took my lion's head and put him in the four corners of the EP cover and then ended up gifting me the original of it years later. uh, So it was super sweet. So I've got that in the studio too. Shout out Coffee. Yeah, Coffee's amazing. (laughs) Amazing What's he up to these days? He came to the Lions like record premiere when Uh we did it over in uh, Highland Park or or, uh, Eagle Rock. Yeah. And that's the last time I've seen him in person, but I keep up with him on social media, of course. And he's just... Dude gets flown all over the world to do murals. It's yeah. incredible. I mean, yeah. if you don't know his work, check out, I think it's keepdrafting.com. Yeah, and it's yeah. Draftsman Coffee, K O F I, K-O-F-I-E. Yeah. And yeah. uh, he's just amazing. He gets yeah. flown to everywhere. He did one in Venice. He's done them just all over the world. Right. Gets, yeah. Goes uh, goes to paint.
0: Shout out to, to coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, he's amazing. That's great. Well, and that kind of gets to the sort of creative renaissance that we're living in these days, it feels like. And it's interesting to sort of think about what's driving that because – the visual art side, you have artists like Coffee being, you know, celebrated for their public art and street art and mm. murals and muralism is uprise uh, all right. over the world. But, you know, music is more prolific now than ever. The tools have been democratized. I mean, of course, mm. no one's making any money. Yeah. But, you know, we're living in this creative renaissance right now, it seems like.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, with the advent of the home studio, it's definitely opened a ton of things up, you know. But, yeah, at the same time my daughter and sons generation nobody's really buying music you know right. it's all about live shows and merchandise and stuff but sales i mean there's kind of a niche market with vinyl there's still yeah, lots right. of people who and that's like obviously all the record companies are still pressing vinyl and it's doing better than ever but it's still a niche market you know most of the young kids today are just streaming it not even buying it and downloading it just streaming it just streaming it which is insane to me but that's what it is you know I like to hold it in my hand and look at the credits and see who produced it
0: tactile tangible yeah you know interactive yeah but you know whatever I mean how do you roll a joint You know, know while you're streaming music, I and mean, when you had an album, an album yeah. that opened up, you could sort the seeds. And-
3: Hopefully, my kids are not
0: smoking. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't
3: do that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it would be pretty impossible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right.
0: yeah, right. yeah. No, it's fascinating because on one hand, right, the younger generation, so to speak values, you know, art and artists in a way that maybe is an all time high, whatever that means. But yeah, at the same time, they don't want to pay for it. They think it should right.
3: be free. Yeah. It's an odd way of looking at it. I mean, you're right. People like my daughter loves all the current stuff, but like going out and buying the record isn't really on her radar. She can just listen to the single on Apple music or whatever until yeah. she's done with it. Right. And that's it, you know, but it's like, which is fine. But like, I try and impress on them. Like, you know, I understand that it's like you're streaming and you're paying for the streaming service, but do you see like how little that makes the artist? Like, how is that artist going to make another record if they're not making any money? Like it's going to be pretty difficult for them to make more music if they don't have an income, you know, that's kind of lost on me a little bit, but Art, those artists are also, if they do well enough for touring and making money off merch and doing different licensing deals, you know, getting their music and TV and film, like all of us are trying to, and they're making it work somehow, but it's, it's, I think it's tougher and tougher for the indie artist to create an income, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems
0: like they're working harder and harder for less and less. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't have to tell you how arduous and soul sucking Travel is right. Going on tour, it's crazy. And trying to be on your game every night, five, six nights in a row, whatever. Yeah. Then you got to come back, and it's wash, rinse, repeat. You're not touring. You're not making money. Yeah. I mean, it is a labor. It's become manual labor, right? In many ways, you know. I mean, pick your poison. Because twenty five years ago, right, you were hoping to get through the door of a gatekeeper that could give you a contract that would make you money and make you famous. Right, Right. Right.
3: Right. Right. Yeah and I'm not sure you know who that gatekeeper is anymore I mean so much of success it seems like today in the music industry especially is like Based on your likes on Spotify, on Spotify Instagram, SoundCloud, yeah, SoundCloud, well, yeah. Instagram, Spot, yeah, just right. all this stuff. And yeah. it's like, and it's always not that music has not been like about your looks and your lifestyle and mm. stuff. It has, yeah. obviously, you know, part of the lure of Zeppelin or whatever right. Right? growing up is like their music's awesome, but also these dudes are driving their own personalized jet and right. like, you but know. But that was all very at that time. Totally. Nobody had never, nobody had done that. Totally. Right. So. But now it's like more about that than ever before. Just like, whatever, how much money you have and and all that stuff, which is, and just kind of self aggrandizing, you know, big up in yourself all the time. Well, which is like, you know, which is funny to say because here we are talking about me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but the, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. Well, what do they say? You know, what's that famous thing in LA? It's like, Oh, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you what think, do you about, think me? about me? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but I mean, fame is such an interesting phenomenon because I think the majority of folks out there just intuitively or feel like, well, Oh, they're famous. So they must be rich. Right. And fame does not equal fortune.
3: Fame does not equal happiness in a lot of cases.
0: And fortune doesn't equal happiness. (laughs) And and fame doesn't equal happiness. And yet, you know, when you and I were coming up, I don't know, I forget the name of it, but there was always that study or that survey where basically they asked your generation or whatever, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. Mm. And for years and decades, that in the number one answer was things like astronaut. Right. Or president. Right. And in recent years, I read that, that the number one answer now when they ask, can you Rich guess? And
3: famous. Is famous. Yeah. I'd like to be more and more widely known for all the cool stuff I do. And by right. cool, I don't mean like I'm so cool. I just mean I like doing creative stuff that's yeah. fun and makes people feel good. And I feel good about doing it. And the more people that would know about that, that would be great. But as far as like, you know, having paparazzi following me to a sushi God, place no and like way. all that stuff and yeah. like, no, thank you. You know, yeah. that just doesn't interest me. Well, at all. but
0: as a true musician, <laughs> right. But as a true artist, a true musician with real chops, uh-huh. I mean, how do you feel about the push button nature of music creation these days I mean because you don't have to have any chops anymore mm. to make a music and get a hit you yeah. don't even have to sing a tune because you know there's technology to auto correct your yeah. your voice and things
3: yeah I don't feel like it's my job to be too judgmental about that sure. like I just kind of do what I do and makes yeah. me feel good I mean you know as far back as music I've listened to like the wrecking crew were playing on all the monkeys and the beach boy songs yeah all those guys were good musicians in their own right Right. too. But it was just like the guys in charge with the money Mm -hmm. thought it would be like Mm -hmm. it would sell more records if they had their pro guys do it. And it's like that works. The monkeys doing their own music works me playing something just live in the room and looping. It works me playing it live all the way through works me sampling. It works whatever just gets what's in your brain out is good. Right. But you know, it all comes back to the bottom line for me of like, does it move me or not? Yes. you know? And it's like, well, and that's, however you achieve it is fine with me.
0: But. 100%. And I just put the questions out there because I'm like you, like I don't, it's tempting to sort of, as we get older, like romanticize our youth of like mm. how it was better back in the day. But the truth yeah. of the matter is, at least from a creativity standpoint, I absolutely want more tools in the toolbox. I absolutely mm. want people to be able to express themselves yeah, in more and better and easier ways. And I absolutely want those creative people to be able to distribute and share their work in a more democratic and populous way, you know, right, whatever.
3: right, right, right. Yeah.
0: But I just want it to move me. Yeah. Like, that's the thing.
3: That's the bottom line. Yeah, you know, there's there's songs that were made in bedrooms with a drum machine and a singer. Shout a, a out rapper. Billie
0: uh, Eilish.
3: Right. She's got this one. I'm teaching this lesson called I Love You. It's just the prettiest chord change. And her melody over it is gorgeous. I mean, you know, a lot of what she sings about is pretty... 15 year old stuff and I'm like pushing 52. So it's like, it's that thing, which is fine, you know, but like this song is just beautiful. The changes in it are gorgeous and the way her melody works over It's just really gorgeous.
0: Yeah. She's particularly inspiring to me. Like I, I I discovered her initially, I say discovered, but I mean like, you know, a couple of years ago, she had a show on Apple radio. Oh, her and her brother. Okay. And it's like, well, what's this? You know? So I just started listening to it and here was this incredibly like fun, energetic, passionate, smart, articulate, mm. super creative kind of voice. And, but I didn't realize she was 15. She was like 15 yeah. at the time, you know, <laughs> right. I was 16. And I was like, wow. Yeah. And then it was like, oh wait, she's 15, 16. Wow. This kid's a bonafide genius. You know, like yeah. it was funny because she would introducing music that she was into and yeah. she would say, yeah, she's like, I found this on SoundCloud, you right. know, at two in the morning, blah, blah, blah. And I just... I so appreciated her show because I don't have time to look for music on SoundCloud. <laughs> <You know laughs> right. I mean?
3: Yeah, that's definitely like, yeah, whatever. I'm showing my age again. But like finding music is like I just looking through SoundCloud is not how I'm going to do it. Right. But right. God bless right. Her. That's her record store or her yeah. hanging out with DJ friends, I guess. So that's cool.
0: <laughs> so, being a sort of vinyl file or whatever, mm. as you are in a collector, when you're searching crates and looking for vinyl, I mean, what, yeah. what where are you going? I mean, Amoeba's closing on us.
3: Amoeba's just moving. Oh, they're, they're just moving. Like, yeah, they're moving. They're moving oh, like God. two blocks up. Yeah. Oh, thank
0: God. I had heard they were closing. No, no they're, they're closing
3: that location. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. well as long as they're sticking just, around. Yeah, they're, I mean, that
0: location's awesome, but.
3: Yeah, well, I don't want to give away all my secret spots. Okay. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> do that. Sorry. All there's right. a
3: lot of good. Suffice it to say, in L.A. and surrounding areas, yeah, right, there's right. lots of good record stores. Right, great. Yeah. Right.
0: How many hours? <laughs> maybe not be a fair question, but like, how many hours a month do you think you spend treasure hunting?
3: How many hours? Like, do you, know. go I mean, like you go many days. Like you go out a couple every- days a month. I can't go every day, but I'm at least looking in a record store at least once a week. Once a week. At yeah. least, well, for sure. That's, that's, you know. Mostly like in my route on Mondays, I have this route that I do because yeah. I'm working yeah. and it's right near one of my favorite got it, spots. Got it, got it, And so I just stop in there and see what they have. And right. a lot of time they have good stuff. Well, you're a
0: chef looking for new ingredients Yeah, for your well, recipe. I'm looking for
3: new ingredients and I'm just looking for inspiration yeah. and and then DJing, I'm just like always looking for good cuts that'll make Where people Where are you spinning dance. now? I do Funky Soul once a month at the Echo. Okay. Um, my friend Miles from Break a yeah. is his club. I'm doing this place called Gold Diggers, which is on Santa Monica coming up on the, the 21st. I do the townhouse down in Venice. Nice. On the flat fourth Tuesday of the month. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing a thing in Topanga coming up soon. Nice. Like just all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but Funky Soul is like one of my monthly that I go do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: One of these days I'm going to come out, I'm going to request free bird.
3: Okay. I don't know if it'll get played, but you yeah. can request it. Yeah, I can all I want. <laughs> oh, I'm doing the Mayfair hotel coming up on, I'm going to be doing a brunch with my friend Shakespeare from the Lions we're doing a reggae brunch coming up right on that we're just lining up the dates yeah, for yeah we too, love so. the Mayfairs
0: yeah Yeah. So you know Zinger you know Regine I know Megan my, yeah, yeah Megan. okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Megan's well, a long uh, long time friend of mine yeah so Kevin Zinger who has, he's been on the show I know
3: the name and
0: yeah. he's a friend and, oh. uh, but my friend Ann from Sugar Press shout out Ann. she runs yeah. the gallery there the art gallery oh right 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 and yeah. just as a you know shameless plug here on March 20th yeah we're producing. Well, we have our Creators Conference um, March 21st at the Highland Park e Club. Oh, yeah. That's where the
3: Lions did that thing I told you coffee was at. Right, right, right. Oh, okay.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, no, it's an epic venue, right? Yeah, it's gorgeous. And so, we had our conference last year there Mm -hmm. and it's a one-day learning event for artists to come together and listen to experts and and other artists speak on business-related topics relevant to being a working successful artist today. Oh, how cool. Yeah. So, last year we had... Logan Hicks and Human and Jorge Gutierrez and Julie B and you know a lot of artists come and talk about their journey as a successful artist and some of the challenges, some of the lessons learned. Yeah. But then we had IP attorneys, licensing agents, Hollywood
3: executives. Oh, that's come great! And talk. What a great source. Thank that's you. Awesome. Yeah,
0: no, it was great. It was a great day. And so this year we're doing it again, but we're expanding it. What is it? What's the date? So it's the conference is Saturday, March twenty first. Okay. But Friday night, yeah. March 20th, yeah. we are at the Mayfair Hotel Okay, from 7 to 9. We're presenting an art exhibition there at the gallery yeah. featuring all female artists. Oh, cool. Called Power. Or okay. Power. So, uh, it's going to be a great show. My friend Ann from Sugar Press is curating it. Oh. And then from 9 to 11, my friends from Parlor Social are doing right, a music right. performance right. in the speakeasy there in the front? Yeah, sure. And so, yeah.
3: yeah, so it's gonna be a fun night. Please come. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I mean, that sounds great. March twentieth. I'll write it on my phone. I'll, uh, yeah, uh, we'll make
0: sure you, you don't forget. You yeah, might, that you sounds know, cool. You know, yeah, I think you'll dig it. We're excited. So,
3: but you're gonna be at the Mayfair. Yeah, I'm gonna be at the Mayfair. We're working out the dates now, but they have the new pool, so we're gonna be right. doing like right. Sunday reggae brunch. Yeah. Oh. And nice. uh, so that'll be fun. Yeah, it's gorgeous down there. The Mayfair is just incredible. The is first tr- time I went down there, Megan showed me around, and you know, Mirror One, the oh, artist, yeah. So, oh, mirror yeah. was, he had his art up. Yeah, yeah. Well, him I and Risk
0: it. did that mural. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, Mira goes way back with Breakistro and used to come to the breaks right. and draw live with us yeah. just like coffee. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Amir did one of our album covers too. Orchestra's oh, Break- can- Break- no, can- can- album covers, yeah.
0: Yeah, he may or may not remember me, but he showed a lot at my partner's art gallery, oh. Crew West uh, okay. downtown, uh-huh. so did Coffee, and yeah. you know my from 2002 to 2012. Crew West Gallery was kind of the the right. spot. Right, uh, if right. you were certainly if you were urban contemporary artist, graffiti artist, mm. uh, that was a great gallery for them. But yeah, I love what they what they've done at the Mayfair.
3: Beautiful down there, Amir. yeah. Yeah, just a night nice cool staff. Everybody's real chill. Right. Everything is like it works for me because it's like the sound people on point. Yeah. Like Megan, those of course, just super sweetheart. Yeah, you feel taken care of. Right. It's nice, it's yeah. clean. The food is good. Artist friendly, artist centric, artist yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mayfair and Regime seventy two. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Shout out. Shout yeah. out we're bouncing around here a little bit but we were talking about apple music a bit oh yeah well first of all do you consume apple music at all
3: i have it on my phone because my uh, kids and my wife right use okay it. so yeah, yeah well, I use apple I, have music. you
0: checked out abstract radio with q-tip
3: no i've been listening to is that just one of the podcasts on yeah there? so
0: it's an art one of the artist
3: shows oh i'll you a link but i've been doing the, mike d's shows on there too oh i love that the, yeah, echo chamber. echo chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love yeah. that one. Yeah, it's great. And
0: just I had been seeing the abstract radio thing for a while, and for whatever reason, wasn't checking it out. And then the last, I don't know, month ago or so, I was like, finally, like I'll check it out, whatever. Yeah. And man, I can't get enough. I mean, oh man, is, that's cool enough. Just sick. I, I mean, and what he does is he just lets the music play.
3: Yeah. He doesn't even, Mike plays a lot of music on his too. I'm sorry. Mike D does the same. Yeah, that's right. Well, thing, but but he's you know
0: he's talking and they're yeah. interacting and interviewing and so yeah. which is awesome. I love Mike D's show.
3: Yeah. Q-Tips but, is just music. Yeah.
0: And that's his whole shtick. He's like, you uh-huh. know how we do here? We just let the music play. But it's the – like he'll have a concept for the show. Yeah. And then all the music is for that. And I've just – Oh, man. Discovered so much old music that's new to me. Yeah. That's Sam
3: here. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. all those – yeah. I mean, obviously – that era of dude is like, you know, those are my heroes, the Beastie Boys. And I just got to do some uh, function with my friend Danny Holloway. He was doing a thing with Mario C. So, got to just sit listen to them play reggae all night. And it was like, and then hear Q-Tip play music. I mean, that's like, in that time with Breakistore, all that music was just coming out and fresh. And it's just so inspiring still. Those guys know so much about music. I'm still, you know, there's so much to know.
0: Well, <laughs> it's and it's for me, I've talked about this on other episodes of the podcast with man one specifically but mm-hmm. for me my journey around hip-hop as a working class white kid in the suburbs of chicago basically it's really interesting to think back on because i love hip-hop you know, yeah. i love it now and our musical journeys are also personal right and also interesting being 35 38 miles outside chicago i was very much a jazz and blues guy mm. right yeah. And in fact, would ditch high school or hop the train because there was a train that went from my town right into downtown. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would sneak into blues clubs and jazz clubs and stuff. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, and I was doing that 15, 16, 17, 18, right? But I wasn't aware of hip hop. Yeah. And then my first real sort of introduction to hip hop was really through MTV when Yo! MTV Raps right, sort right, of right. launched. Yeah. You know, quite frankly. Right. And I was so ignorant, I guess, really, about the fact that this was a culture. It wasn't a genre of music, but it was a culture. culture, Yeah. And I thought, quite wrongly and quite ignorantly, like, oh, well, this is an interesting fad. Right. (laughs) I wonder how long this will last. Right.
3: (laughs) That's what a lot of people felt. You know?
0: And I mean, a big part of that feeling, I think, was driven by whatever I was hearing wasn't resonating with me for Mm. some reason. Like, I wasn't, I guess I was a bit of a snob in Mm. some ways, being a jazz and blues guy, that like the hip hop stuff, because a lot of it was maybe political in a way that I couldn't relate to Mm. or any number of things. And, you know, where I grew up really in Northwest Indiana is a very segregated area. I Uh mean, you know, Gary, Indiana, where I was born. Blacks lived in Gary, Indiana, and then all the white folks lived 10 miles east, uh, so to speak, near the beach, Portage, where I grew up, and it was fascinating because at least it was somehow okay to go to Chicago, hmm. but like, don't go to Gary. Okay. You know, you could get shot in Gary. Oh, yeah. There was real danger there. Per capita, murder capital of the country for all through like the 70s and 80s when yeah. I was growing up there. Oh. But anyway, I mean, it for me, it was either like I was a rocker, right? So, you know, Led Zeppelin or Van Halen or something, mm. you know, or jazz and blues. Yeah. So, it was a while before hip hop really kind of came into my consciousness in a way that started to resonate yeah and i'm trying to remember now like what were some of those first albums were biggie smalls i think was one of the first artists that really kind of landed with me okay. and i was yeah. like okay it's something about this i'm really into yeah anyway
3: yeah, I mean it was a lot of the first stuff like I mentioned earlier. My little sister was a got into hip hop first just because our junior high school was like there was bussing, you know, yeah. it was like the beginning of bussing. So, elementary school, junior high, high school, all our, you know, our little kind of white area town where mm-hmm. I grew up was just like lots of black kids and Mexican kids coming in. So, you instantly were listening to what everyone was listening to, yeah. you know. And so But when it first came out, like, I think the first thing I heard was maybe Slick Rick or Beastie Mm -hmm. Boys, somewhere in that era. But it really took me, the first one that really blew me away. Like, I like Brass Monkey and like, you know, Slick Rick songs, but It Takes a Nation of Millions by Public Enemy was like my first one where I was like, what is this? Because it was just like, and BDP too. What's it called? Ghetto Music, the Mm -hmm, blueprint of mm -hmm. hip hop. Just because it was like. I was already listening to blues and jazz and reggae and Zeppelin and all this stuff my older brothers and sisters listened to. Once they started sampling a lot in hip-hop, it was like all those musics in one, like a mosaic. Right. I was like, dang, they've got like U-Roy sampled here and then Zeppelin's drums and like, what's going on here? It's like all these cool influences, you know. Coming into one thing. Right. And obviously, we come to find out like all those Jamaican expats or came to New York and were spinning just like all the DJs from Jamaica. Yeah. But playing everything from Billy Squire to, you know, James (laughs) Brown to everything, you know. Yeah. And it all worked. And I just love that. It's like it kind of declassified Music a little bit for me, sure. It's like everything's good. Just throw it in the pot,
0: (laughs) right? You said so much. I want to respond to because you you mentioned Beastie Boys, and it's Mm. like I'm remembering that. Of course, to the extent Beastie Boys licensed the Ill, whatever that first kind of big album was that broke for them, which was probably in my fairly certain was my first introduction to the Beastie Boys. Yeah. So to the extent that I was talking about my introduction to hip hop was maybe through Biggie, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe that's not entirely accurate because of the Beastie Boys, but. Given my sort of status as a neophyte, right, around the culture and around this music, what have you, Yeah, as a white kid in the suburbs hearing the Beastie Boys, while I liked some of the music yeah. as because it was fun or whatever, in my understand, I'm like, oh, these are just some white kids trying to be black. <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand... Like their roots in punk rock or their roots in, you know what I mean? Like they had real pedigree and real chops. There was integrity there that I was not
3: appreciating. And I mean, the more I've learned too and read about them is just like the focus on them knowing that it wasn't just some music they were appropriating. They really were into the culture of the hip hop scene. I mean, they're the ones who were responsible for getting LL Cool J a record deal Right, and they were obviously endorsed by Run DMC and open for Run DMC. Like, right. they really did their best to give props to the guys who invented 100%. it or were doing it, you know, in the yeah. black community too. So yeah. it's pretty amazing.
0: Well, and then it was, it became apparent to me, right. In some of their, their second and third album. And I mean, after license to ill I'm forgetting mm. the names right now, but like, like, Oh no, these guys are super creative and brilliant. Paul's you boutique, know. Yeah. yeah. Right. But again, given sort of this more conventional mindset around music as just kind of this kid in the burbs or whatever, like I didn't appreciate the fact that, Sampling and turntablism were kind of born out of necessity, right? Because, I mean, you're not, people have to express themselves, artists have to express themselves, and use the tools you have. And if you don't have the
3: money to go buy a Les Paul or a drum set, an
0: instrument, you use what you have. And so suddenly these incredibly brilliant, innovative. Creative yeah. uh, artists and makers and creators, what have you say? Oh wait, turntable, boom! We exactly. and you know the gatekeepers and the establishment made such a big deal of the dealing of yeah. licensed music or copywritten music that the controversy overshadowed right. the artistry. It's at true. least for me, right? Like I wasn't like I was like wow, I was kind of confused. Like how is this? music because they're like they're making music with other people's music and yeah. yet i like it i'm starting to like it and it was a very fascinating I mean, you get
3: into that whatever whenever there's money to be made yes. it's like you have your master recording but the fact is is like they took the drums from moby dick on beastie boys you know but but zeppelin borrowed from every i mean they didn't nothing like new under take and thing. patch up the master recordings from Helen wolf right. and whoever it was yeah, you know willie right. dixon but they definitely took it You know, Elvis, you know, did big Mama Thornton songs. And I mean, it's on and on. Everybody's been influenced by everybody. Yes. But once you get the master recording sampling thing in and lawyers involved. Right. It becomes that.
0: Right. Because people are protecting their interests or they're looking for money. They're greedy. They're like trying to. I'm bringing this up just because as I became more educated and more informed about what was really going on Mm. in terms of artists creating Using new tools or using existing things in new ways. Like, it yeah. just be, I was like, whoa. I mean, this yeah. is just like epic.
3: So mind blowing.
0: Mind blowing. Absolutely. The ingenuity,
3: the ingenuity that
0: comes from necessity, right? Yeah. Like,
3: oh, it stoked my entire world. I mean, three feet high and rising in Paul's boutique alone right. were like, I need to find out where all of this came from. You know, like, (laughs) what is that sample they took? Oh, Simonde. They're this British group of Jamaican dudes. And, like, so you look for that record. And, like, Paul's Boutique, it's like this Sly Stone sample. and I mean, it's just endless. And then you find all those original records that are equally as inspiring. I think that's the lost thing is, like, all of those hip-hop groups not only did so much for the vinyl community, collecting community, like – they also, for all those artists like that fell into obscurity yes, from right. the 60s and 70s, Second Life, third now life. people are looking for them, yeah. checking out for them. You right. know, it's like Samande didn't sell records now, but now some of those original records go for 150, 200 bucks, you know, and it's like you're saying, mother of necessity, like all those records before anybody knew about them, like, right. and now is paying hundreds of dollars on Discogs or eBay, they were dollar records that nobody cared about, yeah. you know, and those guys found gold in them. And that's just freaking incredible. That's incredible.
0: <laughs> and on a kind of a related note in this, to the extent that we're talking about ingenuity and creativity, right? So I was recently in Miami for our Basel. And one of the cool things I was able to do while I was down there was to visit the brand new Museum of Graffiti. Oh, wow. Which is in Wynwood. Okay. And it's a permanent museum, not a pop-up. At this point, it's fairly modest size. It's like 3,600 square feet. But the scholarship, they really did a great job in terms of explaining the culture of graffiti oh, and cool. the history yeah. of graffiti. And, right. of course, graffiti being one of the four pillars of hip-hop, yep. for me, again, and for anyone, is such an educational experience because it's anthropological, it's sociological, right? Yeah. It's, it's, this, it's so rich with all of this insight and learning, whatever. So one of the cool exhibits in the museum is this photographic exhibit by a female photographer named Martha Cooper. Now, I don't know if you know Martha, but no. she sort of, I guess, as I understand, I think she was a young photographer, photojournalist. I think initially she was working for like the New York Times or whatever, and this was late 60s or something, right? But then she, as an artist was super intrigued with from youth culture in the Bronx and mm. Brooklyn. So she's um, got all kinds of good pictures. So, oh, my so, hey. God. Her photos are just mind-blowing. And so wow. this installation that was so moving was you – and know, it's a whole wall of photographs.
3: Pictures of the trains and everything?
0: Well, pictures of the trains for sure. But the photos that were the, perhaps most compelling to me were photos of kids playing. Okay. Okay. And the kind of ingenuity and creativity and imagination that they were demonstrating with nothing but a tire. Yeah. Exactly. A a box. Yeah. A burnt out car. Yeah. A stick. Yeah. And creating whole worlds, creating whole games. She's got all these photos of these kids. And I just of course so moving on so many levels, but like of course now being a dad too when your kids are older, but I'm like just getting started. My kids are seven and Three. Oh yeah, and it's like, are my kids gonna have that level of creativity and ingenuity? I mean, in this world, yeah. of, in this world of screens and computers, and yeah. but yeah, you should look. You should check out our work, Martha. I Cooper. will for yeah, sure. It's really great.
3: Yeah, for sure. I will. That's cool. But cool.
0: Uh, but to imagine how hip hop turntablism, cool Herc. I mean, rolling up and providing their art. Yeah, it's Just incredible. A world <laughs> un- unfamiliar, right? Unknown until. And I, you know, I was just in New York. This is like a crazy thought, but like total, probably insane notion. But I just wondered, gentrification is happening all over, right? But Mm -hmm. but New York has changed so much, right, over the last decades. And I just wondered to what extent, because I mean, hip hop has become such a huge industry, Mm -hmm. right? I just wonder. I was like, I wonder to what extent that has helped drive or helped infuse the reinvention of New York and the and the money that came into New York because yeah. suddenly those artists coming out of the projects were rich and yeah. they were you know successful and you yeah. know making New York more relevant than ever mm. somehow
1: mm.
3: You know? I don't know yeah I'm not sure I don't know who's doing what and who's giving back I mean you hear lots of great stories like Snoop Dogg coming back and in- Put a bunch of money into youth sports here in yeah, LA right. and I mean there's all kinds of people doing wonderful stuff behind the scenes that isn't yes. advertised. So
0: well as far as I can tell, so many of these artists do not forget where they come
3: from. Totally. But I wonder it's an interesting thing to me because we talk about hip hop and the culture being so pervasive now, but I wonder this is not like I said to judge anybody's art, but a lot of the stuff that's under the umbrella of hip hop today doesn't feel like hip-hop to no, it's me. No, pop, it's pop music. It's pop music and it's like, like I said, I'm <laughs> not judging anybody's experience, yeah. but hearing about how much money you have and the pills you're popping and how much you had to drink and all the girls you're, you're yeah. having your way with, it's like it's whatever, like I'm not here to judge, but it's definitely not like the thing that I fell in love with, A, being another kid who came from the suburbs, sort of, mm-hmm. white suburbs, is... When hip hop came in, rap music and hip hop and the culture came in, it taught me so much. Like it was my window into other people's experiences and not that the current stuff isn't, but it's just like, I know you see you're popping pills and you're drinking and you're having the most sex of anybody and okay, great. But like, what else do you have to say? Like when I first heard public enemy, like. I was learning about Marcus Garvey. I was learning about Malcolm X. I was learning about all kinds of things and experiences from a different community. And yeah. it was like an eye-opener. Right. More importantly, it was uplifting. You yeah. know? It was like, we need to say this and put it in this art because it's happening and it's important and we want to bring our people together. And so much of it now seems to be just based like the whole drive for it is... I understand wanting to get yourself out of certain situations and one way to do it is to become a a pop star. I get that, you know, like uh, nobody wants to have nothing and living in a crappy situation. But is it really uplifting the community? Is it saying something that's helping humanity? And I don't hear it as much anymore. And that makes me sad, you know?
0: Yeah, it's kind of like, who are you serving? You know, are you serving the greater good or are you serving yourself kind right. of thing? You know? I serve
3: like, I find not being a millionaire at this point, but I'm making music I'm proud of, you know? Yeah, right. And if they're proud of that music, great. You know, whatever makes you feel good is yeah. fine with me, but I just, I don't buy it.
0: Well, and again, uh, I'm going to bring up something I know very little about, but as I understand it, there's an interesting rift in the hip-hop community too, where a lot of these younger people, Artists are basically saying like, no, I don't need to know the history. I don't need to know what came before me. I'm making my own thing. I'm doing my own thing. I'm just doing me. I'm being me. And the OG guys are like, man, you better know your history. You better know what's up. And
3: maybe I learned that from hip hop. I mean, I definitely learned it from my parents and my grandparents. Just like the whole thing... That you know to model yourself after and learn from is our elders. Like, if yeah. you don't have that, what are you doing? Yeah, like you got to learn from people who came before you, or you're just going to repeat the same stupid mistakes they made 100%. You well, know? And it kind of like, gets
0: back to that old saying about you can't break the rules unless you know the rules, right? True, yeah. and there's that element to it there's as well. That too.
3: If you're like, I listen to EPMD and I just do not care for it, and I'm going to make something totally different, okay. Great, but like to totally bucket just to be like I'm just gonna not listen to it because I don't care about my history. This doesn't seem like a smart way to move through life to me.
0: That's also very American, I guess so. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Americans don't know their history generally. That's
3: pretty true, you know. And uh, it's
0: it's just fascinating. It's like
3: it's too scary to think about sometimes our history. Well,
0: then there's all that, right? Like we don't want to just like put our head in the sand. We've got a pretty
3: pretty crazy history,
0: yeah. When you think about 2020, Mm -hmm. we just started a new year. What's stirring you? What's getting you excited? What's your vision for 2020 for your life and for your art?
3: For 2020, I'm just trying to link up with as many positive, talented people as I can. And that's friendships, people that make me feel good, people that uplift me and I uplift them. But artistically, it's just trying to get myself working with as many new and creative and positive people as I can. It's happened over the last couple of years, and I just want to amplify that. I'm just reaching out to... I've heard someone. I think they're cool. Let's see what we can do together. Just more than ever, I'm just trying to branch out, do as many new things as I can this year. Where does
0: your positivity come from? A lot of artists, feels like they fall into two camps. Mm. (laughs) They're either... Incredibly positive and optimistic, rose-colored glasses, no matter what. Or they're cynical, pissed off. And that's a gross oversimplification because artists are not a monolithic or biolithic community. But yeah. um, where did your positivity come from? You get that from your mom? You get that from your dad? You get, Is that you're born that way?
3: I think I get it from my mom. Yeah. And I think I get it from my mom because I know for a fact we both deal with depression. So it's like yeah. a coping mechanism. <laughs>
1: right sure is
3: what it is i don't mean to make light of that but being positive and surrounding myself with beautiful things and beautiful people okay. is a way to make life worth living man
0: yeah i know i mean it as a new dad myself my kid my daughter's seven and my son's gonna be three march 15th it's like i have to be positive for them yeah yet i'm 49 gonna be 50 in a couple of months yeah got a few miles under these heels i've got been around the block once or twice like and i'm also like very aware of kind of what's going on in the world right now yeah as we and all just are it's fucking hard to be positive
3: it sure is it's depressing right now i mean just the fact that whatever these things that are being allowed are still in there and a large percentage of the country thinks it's all right it's absolutely frightening yeah and it the it's frightening just because it's out of the woodwork so Right. vociferously well because you
0: want to believe we all want to believe that human race in our country is like making generally moving forward making positive yeah changes and evolving in a positive way yeah. and then times like this you realize maybe not so much yeah you know
3: I think it's just like Jacob Miller said it's one step forward and two steps back yeah I think there's people who are really devoting a lot of their lifetime to create beautiful things, to create change, to lift the curtain and show what's really happening, you know, whether it be with factory farming, whether it be politicians, whether it be just, you know, environmental stuff. I mean, there's so much stuff happening in this world just because of greed and people not giving a shit because they want all the money and to have, a stockpile of money and be sort of immune to it. We can only crap on this planet for so long before the planet keeps moving and knocks us all off. Yeah. So to me that mentality of like the Donald Trump mentality where you're just I'm just a businessman and I'm a ruthless businessman, obviously just a miserable human being. And I'm just gonna stockpile all this money and that's what's important to me is power and money. Mm -hmm. And to me that's just like the least important goal Ever. Mm. The most important goal is to like make sure my friend who's going through a hard time knows that I love him, you know? Yeah. Making sure people have food to eat and a place to live, yep. you know? Like why do you care about having your own private golf resort and a house here and a house there and a house there and a house there like great. You're a real freaking big man. I say that sarcastically in case you can pick up on it. Yeah. It's just ridiculous to me like the priorities some human beings have. It's sad. And it, that's it, who's the face of our country right now, and that's that's the f- most frightening thing. It's just that my kids are seeing that somehow this is being allowed. I, yeah it's so transparent, you yeah. know it's like they can see what a douchebag this guy is. right It's not a political thing for me. it's a human thing for me. Right. It's not Republicans and Democrats. It's a one percent that's just like has to hoard everything while the rest of us suffer and work our asses off. And that's just not fair. It's not cool.
0: Yeah. You know, when he got elected, so many of my friends in New York and in L.A. were very surprised, Mm you know, and these are also the same people that refer to where I grew up as the flyover states. (laughs) Right. And I would go back home to my parents my parents did not vote for Trump. They hate him. Yeah, You know, lifelong Democrats. But but I saw the Trump signs and things, you know, and back home, you know, and essentially being a working class kid from a blue collar family in the Midwest who's sort of seen globalization and the impacts of NAFTA and the offshoring of jobs and seeing the hollowing out of the working industry here in the country and so on and so forth. It was sad to see people who I actually respect and care for be hoodwinked by snake oil salesmen right now snake oil salesmen are as old as this country true but so many of the people that i know that probably voted that i know voted for trump i would consider to be smarter than that yeah but that's how desperate they are at the end of the day it yeah seems, you know
3: yeah that whole flyover state is just such a <laughs> so condescending it's like geez my parents are both from flyover states in yeah. quotes it's yeah. like I don't feel like I'm on a high horse out here in California. I'm happy to live out here. The weather's nice and I know a lot of great people out here, but I know a lot of great people in Milwaukee and in Texas and Florida. There's good people everywhere who use their brains and think about stuff. And then there's people who are used to having it a certain way because of privilege or whatever it might be that don't want to give that up. And I understand that, but you not giving it up, Is affecting everybody else. Yeah, and that's just—it's not fair, man. It's not fair. It's not—it's not kind, is what it is.
0: Yeah, it's—it's you know, need we need more than ever empathy.
3: Absolutely, that's the word.
0: That's what we need, and that was about the only thing that'll save us is empathy and compassion and mutual respect. In spite of our differences, we seemingly are at a time where we sort of lock ourselves in our echo chambers and we don't... Not know. Mike
3: D's echo chamber. No. Yeah. <laughs> the only echo chamber that I like.
0: <laughs> right. And shout out Mike D. Yes. And, uh, and I get frightened, scared, because back when Obama got elected, Tea Party was sort of the resistance du jour at the time, right? And kind of what concerns me now is it feels like so many of my liberal friends mm. are becoming in many ways intolerant.
3: Mm. How so? Like in terms
0: Well, they art. just don't want to hear different opinion. They don't wanna yeah. this gets back to talking to people that you don't agree with. right? Like, I just know people that are just writing the write off. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh And it's like how are we ever gonna come together if we can't agree to disagree or True. you know, like, like I'm so frustrated with fucking Democrats right now because you know, and I listen, fucking Trump is a scoundrel, but maybe I'm a simpleton, but I just want us to beat him at the ballot box. Yeah, That's the only, well, not the only, but that's probably one of the most profound ways, right, to protest.
3: Absolutely.
0: And, you know, the impeachment, did he rise to the level of impeachable offenses? Absolutely, in my opinion. But they knew they were going to lose in the Senate anyway. No. So, you know, I question the choice, I guess, to spend all of that energy and time yeah. You know, in you know, a losing battle, then taking that same energy, right, and putting it to winning an election day. Yeah. I mean you look at the fucking bullshit that happened in Iowa with that stupid app. Mm. I mean, you know, we look like a bunch of fucking clowns, you know. Yeah. Ugh, I'm frustrated.
3: It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. I mean, just what a systematic pulling the wool over our eyes thing it is, you know. I mean, it's like my parents were both Democrats growing up, you know, and it but it's just like it just seems like it just seems like we need a new model. People get so afraid of like people are out calling Bernie communist, you know, and it's like how many times do we have to say it. Democratic socialism is a different thing. It's meaning that all these taxes that we're paying is just not going to line the 1% pocket. It's going to actually do stuff for working people. Yeah. I just think it's so much more important. And Democrats and Republicans, at least in the traditional sense, it doesn't seem like that big of a divide anymore. It just seems like the same thing to me. Oh, interesting. You know, they're yeah. all taking money from oh, Wall yeah, Street, right. and right. banks, corrupt, and pharmaceutical. Yeah. And you see what how people rely on medication and things, and how there's money to be made from that, and being money to be made from war. When you look at the amount of years that we've been in, involved in a war somewhere since mm. we, this country began, mm. it's freaking frightening because it's a moneymaker for all these people who own all these military yep. supply organizations. And it's just uh, it's transparent and it's sad because it goes back to money again. And this is a capitalist society, but it goes back to what we were talking about with rap music. Again, it's like, is money the only thing that's driving us? Yeah. It's not driving me. I'd like to be comfortable and yeah. like take my wife on a trip once right. in a while, right. of course, and do fun things and go out to breakfast once in a while. That's all wonderful, but like, how much do you freaking need? Yeah, how much money do you need?
0: Well, it's interesting because we have these shows, right, that sort of objectify people with mental illness and hoard God knows what in their house or whatever. Yeah, um, hoard cats, hoard magazines, hoard junk, whatever it is. Maybe they've done this, but I haven't heard anybody talking about how somebody like Trump or even Bloomberg or whatever also suffer from mental illness in Mm -hmm. that they're hoarding money and power.
1: Yes.
3: Right? I've seen lots of pieces about Trump's mental illness going around from reputable sources. I think it's it's a real thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty clear. It's sort of narcissistic disorder and all that stuff. But what compels somebody like a Bezos- to want to be the richest man when I don't know that was initially his motivation. But Mm. the point is, is that how much is enough? Right. When you see the homeless situation, when you see, and I know these are complicated problems and there's part of me that absolutely wants a small government, but I don't want homeless either.
1: Yeah. Homelessness
0: either. Part of what's so frustrating to me, I think as a creative person, right? Look at politics and stuff. None of these people are creative. Right. about the problems right? right and it's just the language that we use we continue to use the same old parlance and jargon and paradigms and i just once i would like a politician to talk about trying to design a human-centered government
1: mm. yeah
0: not a not a democratic centered government or a republican government but just we're all humans we're all oh. on this planet yeah. you know so like if we could start talking about how having the world's best education system, the world's best healthcare system is actually part of a good defense. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, these kinds of things. It's not I mean, like just fucking think it's about really it. It's really not a you
3: mystery, know? you know. It's like everybody wants nobody wants to be homeless. Nobody wants to have a drug addiction. Nobody wants to have mental issues. Nobody wants to be cold lying out in the street. People want to f- feed their family and live a comfortable life, do great stuff. It's just so transparent that not everybody has that opportunity in this country.
0: And you can't have it both ways, right? You can't be a wealthy individual and want your tax breaks and then complain about the homeless situation. You can't have it both ways. You know? Exactly. It is interesting. You know, I have a theory that so many of... Our modern day problems are really linked to our kind of migration away from being a, dare I say, agricultural society. Right. Right. Because when we were living in rural areas, raising crops or working with our hands or whatever the case might be. You needed each other in a different way. And by the way, you weren't obese because you were working your ass off. Yeah. You know, you weren't sick mentally because you were outdoors all the time and working and exercising yeah. your body, which is exercising your mind. And, you exactly. know, and so, I mean, There's we all are kinds
3: we of are. links to digging in the dirt and using your hands. That's is, right. That's is, right. Uh, That's right. And we become so sedentary. Yeah.
0: Right. So anyway, I mean, these are complex (laughs) issues. Talking about mental health,
3: bringing this up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know,
0: one of the things, again, shameless plug here, but one of the things that I'm actually looking forward to about our conference on March 21st is that we are addressing mental health a little bit. Right. We've got a psychotherapist coming in to just talk about trying to relax. It was stressful times. Yeah. How can we relax as artists, create more? Right, right. Because it's hard to create when you're stressed. It's hard to create when you're depressed. It's hard yeah. to create. But also, artists don't have a whole lot of maybe resources to afford professional services. So, what do we do? What are other things that we can afford and are right. available to us? Oh, that's um, great. Man. And so, yeah. So, I'm really looking forward to this. And also, of course, you know, so people are, and I want to. We're talking about this, but people are self medicating. You yep. know, and yep. yes, yep. it's great that we have. Legalized marijuana now and what have you, mm. but how much is too much? And are you putting a bandaid over something that really needs to be looked at? And True. you know all those things. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to this because clearly it's a stressful time, and people need to be able to at least have some access to or we just got to talk
3: about it absolutely that's awesome. sunlight
0: being the best disinfectant
3: true that always makes me feel the best yeah going out for a hike or getting in the sun walking in the mountains
0: you have a lot of trails where you live right tons that's yeah. why i
3: live up there i love it I've, I've been up in in the canyon since i was uh like about 19 mm-hmm. and i just love it for that reason can i, can I uh, come visit someday absolutely man i'd love to You're check out the, the digs yeah, yeah come studio. check it out yeah
0: yeah of man it's you know one of my favorite things is to visit artists where they live oh yeah
3: well come you up, know? check
0: it's, it out uh, there was a who is the photographer i actually have one of his books but there was this uh photographer like that's his whole thing like he goes into artist studios oh, and, really? and shoots them more you know oh, how the cool. and wild the wildlife in their natural habitat <laughs> right. thing, totally
3: you know? totally artists <laughs> yeah. in their studios yeah. yeah yeah my godmother growing up was an artist one of my favorite things to do she lived over on fountain in Hollywood, uh-huh. painter, gifted, gifted painter. And her studio was just canvases and easels and a garden around it. And just one of the most beautiful creative spaces. And it just was so inspiring to me. So yeah. your space where you feel comfortable to create is very important. Absolutely. And man. everyone's is I, unique.
0: I was listening to, no, I was reading. It was, I don't know if you know the book, The War of Art no um the war of art the war of art it's fundamentally about the resistance that artists have yeah. uh to create like how do you fight the resistance like it's very there are a lot of artists that just don't live up to their potential because they give in to the resistance is mm. kind of the premise oh, okay and, and yeah. i'm oversimplifying but, but the guy that wrote it i'm forgetting his name right now it would come to me in a minute dan something and mm. uh Got another ones, but it's over there. But he was saying he was talking about when he goes to create and he goes into his studio. Yeah. Like he wears a certain necklace, he puts on a certain hat. Okay, he sort of puts on the wardrobe or the attire yeah. that begins to stir the muses. The mojo, yeah, yeah
3: mojo yeah. pin, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Hey, man. (laughs) Whatever it takes.
0: So, the book I was talking about is actually written by Steven Pressfield. And he's a best-selling author, author, uh, The War of Art. Hmm. And then he's also written Turning Pro and The Artist's Journey.
3: Oh, yeah. The Artist's Journey I've seen before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he's an interesting cap. Actually, a former Marine. Okay. He, He brings a kind of that disciplined, rigorous kind of ethos, right, to being a writer. Yeah. And yet he struggles as well as to write and write well. And but anyway, I have a buddy of mine to turn me on to it. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's who is the artist that said inspiration is for amateurs? Um, (laughs) uh, Chuck Close, I think, said that. Okay, And, you know, I always love that quote because sort of just gets to. The nuts and bolts nature of work, right? It's like, you know, yeah. if you're an artist, go to the salt mines and, you know, start working, get going. Yeah, You, you can find inspiration that way.
3: True. Well. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. Sometimes you just got to kind of go in and it, you find things through trying things that don't work at first. And yeah, then right. You sure. just kind of find a way out of it. Everything is like, I think of it as like a little puzzle. Each time I'm working on something, you know, how am I going to make this work? What's going to make this How's this going to be the best finished product possible, you know? Yeah. That's how it doesn't. It doesn't always come the first try. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you find inspiration when you're least looking for it.
0: <laughs> but I'll sometimes joke about it being I'm kissing frogs, you know. And <laughs> right. I, am I going to find my princess or not? Yeah. And oh, oh, wait, that frog was psychedelic yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like whoo yes. okay yeah the
3: colors. i've kissed a few of those frogs too
0: <laughs> yeah oh dan Ubik, i'm so grateful oh man thanks for, for you having coming me, out babe. today Thank and you. sitting down and such a joy and i know our audience our listeners are gonna love this and so inspired and we're all Excellent. you know being an artist is such a you know can be at times largely a very lonely singular, isolating kind of uh, existence. Yeah. And so part of the reason why we wanted to start this podcast was to help build some community or at least somebody we can listen in and go like, oh, wait, I'm not yeah. alone. That guy's suffering, dealing with the same crap I'm yeah. Dealing with." Yeah.
3: It's crazy. The more people we talk to, you know, just how every... Guys I've known for a long time, just opening up about how the life is, the lifestyle is. It's like, everybody's kind of dealing with the same stuff, you know, artistic people are pretty similar in a lot of ways because you're, you're constantly doing something that's never been done before. And I don't make mean that to sound like lofty or like whatever moonwalkers or something, but it's when you're creating something, something that hasn't ever been done that way before. So yeah. you're constantly out on a limb, you know, and yeah. it's, that's a, a scary place to be sometimes. Very, very vulnerable. Very vulnerable. Yeah. You know, I guess that's why I like music and collaborating i mean i like to work on my own as well but collaborating is good because you're getting input from other creative people yeah and whatever just a, an ear as well as a singing voice too you know
0: <laughs> well right i mean a new set of ears or eyes right to see and hear things that we can't see and hear because yeah you know at the end of the day right i mean we're just sometimes we're maybe too insecure or too biased or too whatever to see clearly yeah you know and then you have somebody over there who can see it better than you can and yeah that's a gift
3: it's easier to see it in someone else than it is with yourself Sometimes, although
0: that being said one of the biggest fights my wife and i ever got in was the day she said well i know you better than you know yourself <laughs> and i was she- like wait, wait wait oh wait what <laughs> was she
3: right <laughs> i'll never i'll never say
0: <laughs> yeah how did you, you and your uh, wife meet
3: we met through a mutual friend of mine, a friend of ours, mm-hmm. at a coffee place in Topanga, a little yeah. coffee spot in Topanga. But we went to high school and junior high together. Oh, She's no kidding. two years older than I am, yeah. Oh, fantastic. So, but I was a freshman and she was a senior. So.
0: Ah, going for that older woman. Yeah, I guess so. But it was
3: um, years later after college and all that that we <laughs> and met. Did you know her met, in high school or no? Not really, really know, no. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. knew her brother yeah. before I knew her. Right, so, yeah, right. I met her just after everything, That's after great. all that stuff. How long did you guys date
0: before you got married?
3: two years yeah two years yeah yeah
0: that's great and then how long has it been now
3: we just celebrated 20 years
0: congratulations thanks that's 21 years for my wife and i well 21 years that we've been together about 16 years of marriage this year so wow yeah it's time i mean time flies man it sure does it sounds so cliche to say but it's just such a weird phenomenon
3: it's crazy i know just seems like yesterday. Some things <laughs> see pictures, and just seems like yesterday. Literally, it's nice I had so much hair then. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs>
0: it's like which is part of my issue. It was like, where did all that hair go?
3: Yeah, I found pictures of me on tour with Breaker And I was like, man, my beard was brown at one point. I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah. That's
0: fantastic. Well, I tell you, <laughs> I tell you what, Dan. Time has flown by here today. Thanks again for coming through oh, thanks and playing podcast with us. Uh, so our listeners can learn more about you and your art and your gigs uh yeah. coming up. Where can they find you on the socials?
3: You can find me on the interweb at www.danubeproductions.com. productions, D A N U B E Productions dot com. All right. Yeah. Oh, you I'll lying? lead you to all my social media and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. Excellent. Well, can we
3: come back? Absolutely. If you have me, sure.
0: Well, maybe next time. <laughs> Good to talk well, to you. Well, with your permission, what I'd like to do, well, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but it'd be okay. nice to include some of your music on this cool. episode when we do that. But Great. You know, we'll talk more about that. Dan, okay. thanks a lot, my friend. My pleasure, man. Peace out. Peace out. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and share it with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to press subscribe and follow us on IG at NotRealArtificial. We appreciate the support. Sourdough out.